If you're like most mission-driven professionals that I know, your relationship to work and your career have changed since the pandemic began. I'm Jen Walker-Wall, career strategist, resume writer, and founder of WorkWonders Careers. This season, we're talking to mission-driven professionals to hear how their relationship to work, careers, and ambition have changed over the past couple of years. I hope you'll join us. Welcome to Reimagining Ambition. Do you remember where you were, what you were doing, and what life looked like for you in February of 2020? If it feels like a long time ago, you are not alone. It's kind of hard to remember February 2020. It feels like a couple decades ago at this point. It feels like a lifetime ago. Oh my gosh, sure. It's just like I'm, gonna, I'm going in, in my mental time machine. I have these memories of the weeks and days leading up to that initial shutdown that sent so many professionals into remote work. I remember hearing about the cases growing overseas. I remember using a lot more hand sanitizer than normal. I remember buying extra groceries just in case. And I remember the first case in Massachusetts where I live. As I started these conversations on working through the pandemic, I was really curious about what life was like for them in what we now know as the before times. And this is why my first question to all of my guests was, can you take me back to February of 2020 and tell me where you were, what you were doing, and what life looked like for you? Many of us, myself included, were busy keeping many balls in the air. I was serving as an executive director at a nonprofit, and we were in the second half of our fiscal year. And so plans had been to continue fundraising, make sure our programming was running strong. Everything seemed like it was on course for a typical year. I was working as a full-time barista at a coffee shop that was located in a Harvard Student Center. And I was also teaching at Emerson College. I was in the Boston area working at a startup accelerator. And in that role, I was pretty much responsible for like marketing events for our health tech accelerator, as well as supporting some of the portfolio companies that were under that accelerator at the time. I was on about year 15 of working in higher education for a pretty fairly well-known university in the university's innovation center, generally in the office every day, just as COVID was a real thing. I actually had just traveled to Florida for a conference and tacked on some fun days running a half marathon in Disney. I was finishing my PhD in clinical psychology. And the last year of that is a residency year. About halfway through it in February of 2020, that looked like I was working in a psychiatric ER a couple of days a week. So I was deep in the heart of Texas in San Antonio, uh, February 2020, as a, a recovering wedding planner. So I was working as the director of development for a small music organization. I had been there for, I think at that point, four years. And it's a great place to work, uh, perform concerts. And I would be the fundraiser who would gather the, uh, help support the funds and talk to donors and write grants and that kind of thing. Some were on the precipice of a career highlight or milestone. I was truly in a place where I was like, I am living all of my dreams right now, everything that I've worked towards is finally happening. 
in early February, I had sat for my LICSW exam to become an independent licensed social worker. And at the end of the month, I was going to be opening my private practice. I uh, was working a full-time job that uh, had actually just taken me to a week-long trip and conference in Hawaii. I felt like I was just about on the precipice of a promotion at work. I had just got promoted to assistant director of learning design. I was working in a public school as a bilingual school psychologist. My job included a lot of transitioning families into the district and supporting them to get the resources they needed, doing community outreach activities to kind of demystify special education, consulting with teams in the district about students who have bilingual needs, and working with, at that point, trying to pilot an ELL. English language learners program to try to do progress monitoring and data tracking for them. And I was so excited about it. I had finally gotten into this stride by the time February rolled around. I was getting all this stuff going with the plan of having actually a pretty big event happen in April where I was piecing together all of these different partners. Some were dealing with professional ups and downs. In February of 2020, our company had announced the third round of layoffs that they were doing. And I had been lucky to avoid the first two, but we had a merger going on and there was no way that we were going to escape this. My group was much too small to survive, you know, getting absorbed into a much bigger company. At the time, I was actually already making my moves to make a, a career transition. I was in Somerville in the greater Boston area. And I was starting to job search. I'd actually been promised a job by someone and it didn't happen. I was interviewing and getting really close. And then I also had a consulting contract that was relatively big in front of me and was ready to sign it. And some had started new roles fairly recently. I had just made a huge transition in that I had left a job that I'd worked at for many years in January of 2020, left the apartment I had lived in for a while, moved to a brand new place, brand new job that started February 2nd, 2020. I had just started probably five months prior to that. So I was still pretty new at my job, living and working in Brooklyn, New York. Some people were new in their journey to parenthood. I was an advising dean at Georgetown University in the College of Arts and Sciences, where I still am. I had been there for about a year and a half in this position, and I was also six months pregnant with my first child, who we knew was going to be a little girl. We were very excited about it. At the time, I had an eight-month-old daughter, and I... So living where I'm living now, which is Natick, Massachusetts, and was just truly trying to, at that first year of life, kind of period of parenting, just triaging, right? I actually had just had my first baby that December, so <laughs> I was on maternity leave at my current company. I'd been on mat leave for about two months at that point. I was just kind of going through the motions of being sleep deprived, trying to keep this tiny human alive and just kind of going day by day. And of course, many people were balancing work and childcare. I was, let's see, working primarily, I would say from home. And then I had a couple of like shared office spaces that I would go to. My business was largely in person. I had a lot of Atlanta based clients. It was largely in person. 
at that time, my son was in pre-K and my daughter was like a year old. So she was in a daycare. So I was renting an office in town and working remotely for a university. And in, in my case, I was working for Cornell. And I had at home a, about how old were my kids at that time? Eight and a half, five and a half, and two and a half. And so we were busy. As we watched COVID cases grow around the world, we were also wondering if or when COVID-19 would take hold in our own communities. My husband and I were actually supposed to have our first vacation away from our daughter that first week of March. And it was definitely a time where I think we were like, this is a thing, but is this a thing? I started to see this really because I advised juniors and seniors, many of whom study abroad. So the first sense that I could see things changing in, in my work life was that I had students who were studying abroad in China and then in Italy who we were pulling back. But it still seemed very distant at that point. Flew to Dallas. I checked into my hotel room for a conference and it was going to be awesome. It's going to be there for the long weekend. It was going to be great. And then the conference got canceled in real time. Then the airlines started to like you couldn't, it was like that eight hour wait to get talked to a human. I talked to my husband. I was like, should I come home? Like I just checked in. I was like, I think I want to come home. One of my friends, he was like, school's going to be closed by the middle of March. And I was like, no, that's not possible. I remember I actually, I took a few days off to go on a meditation retreat. And it was right before the primary too. And I remember I couldn't have my phone or anything then. And so when I came back from that meditation retreat and not seeing other human beings for a little while or being connected to the outside world, I remember calling my mother on the way home and asking how Elizabeth Warren had done in the primary and how COVID was going. And then that was when I realized that this was uh, not a passing thing that we had to worry about abroad. Some people didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. Or maybe we were just hoping that would be the case. If you get the flu and go to work, then like, this is fine. This will all blow over. It's like everyone's blowing this out of proportion. I have such a distinct memory of one of my colleagues who I was supervising at the time coming into my office and saying, do you think, you know, we'll have to cancel our conference in March? And I was, I just couldn't even fathom the idea of the world shutting down. I think probably when my son school shut down, I think that was when it really hit and the gravity of the situation was very present. I have an immunology background, like I have a PhD in infectious disease immunology. So I, we were chatting a bit about it and she was asking me what my thoughts were. And I remember very clearly being like, oh, I don't think COVID's going to be that big of a deal. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Boy, was I ever wrong. Very few of us seem to know what was coming. I think I might have been in the minority at that point because I realized pretty early on I had just taken a work trip in January. And so information was beginning to trickle out. I happened to have gone to California, which, if you remember, ended up being sort of like ground zero in the U.S. for COVID. And so I was tracking the information. I'm a bit of a, a news junkie, so I love, you know, just knowing what's going on in the world. And I remember in February, we were supposed to be booking another trip to fly out in March. And that was the first time I deliberately, like, I, I remember having conversations about, I don't think that's a good idea. And everyone's saying, oh, it's going to be fine. You know, we think this is going to pass. And it's like, I, I really just don't think this is a good idea. So like, I'm a parent. I'm thinking about if I fly there, if I get sick, I might have problems caring for my daughter at home, et cetera. And so I, I didn't book the flight. <laughs> 
And that caused a little bit of tension. I was very fortunate that I worked in a space where we were all given encrypted laptops and desk equipment and stuff like that. They were like, take it home. It'll probably be about a month. Now, looking back, I remember myself, I don't know if if you had this reaction, but I remember myself in that moment thinking, wow, a month. I'm hearing on the news, everyone's saying a week or two. So I was saying, wow, that feels really excessive. You know, what's, what's going on? I was out on Tuesday and by Wednesday, which was my normal hybrid work from home day, we've been sort of piloting that a little bit that year. My boss just said, don't come back to the office. Educators scrambled to transition to online learning and to support students in a remote environment. So I actually found out that we were making the move to teach totally online while I was on spring break. We switched fully online, so we actually extended spring break by a week to give faculty time to adapt their courses to be online. And at the time, everything that I was reading suggested that many of my students and and what I knew about them suggested that they wouldn't have reliable internet or perhaps reliable places that they could work on course content. So I made the decision right away. uh, I was going asynchronous because we were given the autonomy to choose. And so I was recording lectures, I was adapting activities so that they could be done by students when and where they were. And I shifted primarily to, okay, I'm gonna make myself available during course hours, but I'll be available by email as usual and go from there. So I remember March 13th, we started to hear, oh, we might be shutting down for a week or two and we'll be back. We're gonna send kids home with some notebooks and papers and it'll be fine. We'll come back soon. And then as it became clear that we were not coming back soon, it became almost like a panic response from a lot of people. Like, what are we going to do with all these children at home? What are families going to do? How are kids going to get educated? Because we can do a two-week break. Snow days happen. Life happens. We are used to that. We can make up that time. But this bigger idea about not having access to buildings, not having access to food, not having internet in all the homes of the kids that we're servicing, it became a really complicated thing. Things started going virtual and shutting down and people started getting sick. I remember really vividly the email that I sent out to all of my clients to say, we're not going to be meeting in person anymore. I remember sending them a link to that video that had gone viral of the people in Italy singing from their windows to each other and just saying, you know, we won't be together in person, but we'll still be able to feel each other and we'll find ways to be in community with each other regardless. New York City basically just closed down. I got really sick. I to this day don't know what it was, if it was COVID or not. I don't know. I really usually never get sick with flu or anything. I sometimes get like a sinus infection. And so that's what I thought it was. So there was no testing, obviously. So I kept working. And well, maybe like I didn't work when I was very sick and clearly contagious. But then after that, I still had some residual cough and I kept working. And then very quickly in March, things started to sort of get chaotic. I remember we still had a lot of customers at the coffee shop. It was definitely very busy, but people were becoming more and more on edge, you know, like I remember cleaning a lot. I remember being paranoid in a good way, right? As we know now, it's always better to be (laughs) paranoid about these things. Like I remember sanitizing everything every waking second and just being like very vigilant about that. What happened for me was on March 12th, I was exposed to COVID via a patient 
it couldn't be confirmed fully at the time because there were no tests. But it was a patient who had been to a wedding the previous weekend. Their entire family was sick. They weren't feeling well. And everyone had tested negative for flu. At this point in time, you know, we didn't know a lot. I didn't really know what to do. So I just sat, you know, unmasked in a room with this person for an hour um, and talked with them. Went to my supervisor after it's basically like, I think I need to get out of here, even though I've been exposed, I could potentially be a vector. There was very much this, well, are you actually committed? Like, are, are, do, you, do you care enough? And I'm like, I care enough to try to not get people sick. And if I'm okay, I can do a lot of my job remotely. I'd already been having kind of some of these thoughts around like, oh, there's some parts of this that I don't really think are lining up with its stated values. And then there was some initial support. I don't want to give people too hard a time, but it wasn't so much one person saying, oh, you need to come in. It was this, well, we were just wondering, are you really going to stay back the whole time? Like, it doesn't really seem that serious. You seem fine. You know, those kinds of things when you're in a residency, you have like four supervisors and one of them was amazing. One of them started okay and then kind of, eh. and the others, it was basically just, when are you going to go back to providing us cheap labor? A few people mentioned what I think you'll remember were a few moments in pop culture where it really felt like things were changing. The anecdote that I have in mind for like, you know, what came immediately before the pandemic is, uh, I don't know if anyone else like has this as a cultural landmark, but for me, I had a Super Bowl party. I hosted that at my house um, and in my living room, there were like a bunch of people, like fellow PhD students. I think we had heard like whispers of like people getting sick, like there were like some reports, but we, we weren't sure how bad it was. Unfortunately, after that party, you know, like so many people found by surprise, a lot of us started getting sick. It was the night that Tom Hanks posted on Instagram, that little glove, when him and his wife Rita got diagnosed with COVID. I think we all remember it was like Tom Hanks got COVID and the NBA shut down and we had that day and my supervisor said like, okay, this is gonna probably hit us. Both when I was having these conversations and even as I sit here now and recall them, my attempt to create a timeline feels more like making a collage. It just doesn't feel linear. And that makes sense because until that initial shutdown, it didn't really happen for all of us at the same time. I could hear in these conversations how people who were in California or New York, those early hotspots, or people who were working in hospitals were able to see the enormity of what was happening before the rest of us could. But in just a few weeks, what seemed like a problem somewhere else was a very real problem nearly everywhere. That protective step of the initial shutdown intended to flatten the curve was transformative in part because, well, we all experienced it. In the blink of an eye, how we lived our lives and how we work changed. And it really was just the beginning. Do you remember where you were, what you were doing, and what life looked like for you in February of 2020? I'd love to hear what you remember about the before times and what this transition looked like for you. You can visit us on Instagram at reimaginingambition and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Coming soon on Reimagining Ambition, after a break for the holidays, we'll be hearing more from our guests on working through those early days of the pandemic. 
it's just now instead of being in a conference room and maybe talking to a colleague that's across the country, you're in someone's bedroom, you're in their dining room, their kids are walking around in the background. There was a, a meme I remember seeing that was like from, it was a still from the Titanic where the band is playing and they're like therapists teaching breathing techniques to, to clients right now. And that's what it felt like. It's like, I'm just like throwing stuff at the wall, hoping that something will help. But it was, oh, thank God, because I knew everything was going to change. And suddenly I didn't have to kind of like patchwork, hold myself together anymore. What do we do with our son's education? Is it safe to send him to school? I was struggling quite a bit in my role at work as well and feeling some values misalignments and just general disconnects with the direction that, that the company was going in. I think food insecurity was another big thing that we were trying to tackle. So the district came up with a plan to have available to go meals. Like you could come to the building, grab a bag and leave. I'd like to thank our guests who shared their stories as part of today's episode. You'll learn more about them as our episodes continue, but you can check out our show notes and visit us at reimagining-ambition.com to learn more. We'll see you after the holiday. Thanks for joining me this week on Reimagining Ambition. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to help us share these stories with even more mission-driven listeners, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And if you stumbled onto Reimagining Ambition because you're ready to explore what's possible for your career and you'd love practical career exploration, job search, and resume advice, please check out our private community podcast, Off the Clock. It's only available to folks who sign up. So join us at www.workwonderscareers.com slash podcast to learn more. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Check out the show notes for links to those accounts. See you next week.